For what do I have if I don't have you, Jesus? What in this life could mean anymore? You are my rock. You are my glory. Hi and welcome to The Rock Podcast. In today's text, in Hebrews chapter 11, we take a look at three patriarchs, Isaac, Jacob, and Joseph, and how their faith ultimately helped them to submit to God's will and look forward to His promises. Let's join Pastor Ross now in a message entitled, Faith to Live By. So as I said, we are in the middle of this fascinating chapter, chapter 11 of Hebrews called the faith chapter. It's an entire chapter, as you well know, uh, uh, dedicated to the answer to every Christian's biggest problems, faith, and more of it. You see, it's not enough just to say, I have faith in God. You know, we all had to have faith in God in the beginning, and that's how we got saved. But the Bible calls us to be growing more and more in this faith. And so uh, we have faith, but it's always supposed to be increasing. It's the cure for whatever ails you, really. Uh, At least the Holy Spirit seems to think so. And Jesus, our Lord, said, if you just had a pinch of this stuff, if it's genuine, boy, you'll see God do amazing and powerful things in you and through you. So the Holy Spirit, who is the true author of Hebrews, because he's writing, through a pastor, he put it on this pastor's heart to encourage these Jewish believers who are really going through it to grow in their faith. That's the answer. That's going to stop them from wanting to just give up and to drift away. They needed more faith. And, And so, unfortunately, they've let their adversity, true real troubles, they've had troubles, but they're not handling their troubles in a biblical, godly, wise way. And so God will sympathize with anybody who's going through hardship, but he never condones our sin. So you can go through hardship with God's sympathy and blessing, but how you handle that, you're responsible for that. And they are not handling it well. And so they're, they're discouraged. Some of them have stopped going to church. You've read the chapters And they're just kind of dropping off the radar screen altogether and their relationship with Christ. Uh, To paraphrase what the pastor has already said now as we get ready to jump back into the faith chapter, he said, you guys are drifting into disaster, spiritually speaking. I'm paraphrasing. Uh, We don't want you to become spiritual, spiritual slackers, but to imitate those who through faith and patience inherit what God has promised. That's the answer. So he says, let me give you some examples. So he's going to pull 20 names, Hebrew names, that that Christian Jews are very familiar with. And he's going to go to their scriptures and say, let me tell you what I'm talking about, this faith thing. And I'm going to name 20 Bible characters who are ordinary people like you and like me, but who through faith, and they handled their adversity and, got, and, and, and obtained what God promised them, even though they received it uh, by faith. And so, as you will recall, he started at the beginning with these characters. He went sort of straight back to Abel and Enoch and Noah. 
And then the flood came. And we talked about those uh, men and their examples of faith. And then he went on to, after the flood, he started with Abraham and Sarah. And that was the topic last week, 11 verses uh, devoted to the incidents in Abraham's life and Sarah's that really make them the poster children of what it means to walk with God by faith. And we took a good look at that. We close with the understanding that this promised child through whom the world would be blessed, Isaac, even though Abraham was past child-bearing uh, years, he was 100, and Sarah was barren, plus she was 90 years old. Yet the promise came, and they got a child of this promised son named Isaac, whose name means laughter and joy. And so that's where we left off, and now it's time for the faith to be passed on through the generations because God had promised Abraham that through him, essentially, the Savior of the world would come. And so how that faith got passed from one generation, from one father to the next, is the subject of chapter 11 and these few verses. So picking up at verse 20. Now, by faith, Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau in regard to their future. By faith, Jacob, when he was dying, blessed each of Joseph's sons and worshiped as he leaned on the top of his staff. By faith, Joseph, when his end was near, spoke about the exodus of the Israelites from Egypt and gave instructions about his bones. Now, for me, <laughs> there are three verses here, and there are three men mentioned, and there are three incidents of faith, and there are three important lessons. What more could a pastor want? Three of them right there laid out. And so what we're going to do is, uh, honestly, I'm just going to tell you why we're doing it. It's because when I read those, the context is encouraging people who are about to throw in the towel with, with their Christian life. And he says, hey, listen, you're going to have this faith. The, the faith of Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau in regard to their future. Uh... Wow, yeah, yeah, I don't get that. I'm not inspired by just a, a surface read of that. I need the story. I need to know why, why was that courageous faith? Is there a story there? There must be because he's pulling, he could pull from any of these guys' lives in so many power faith moves. Instead, it's like at the end of their lives while they're dying and there's things that don't sound very inspiring on first read. So I want to dig a little bit and find out what, is there a wow here? Oh, let me assure you. <laughs> there are three wows here. Wow number one. Let me show you this on a genealogy. Here's what we're talking about. Verse 20. Isaac, by faith, is going to bless Jacob and his brother, his twin brother, Esau. Verse 21. Jacob is going to bless his grand boys, Joseph is his son, and through Joseph, we have Ephraim and Manasseh, right? So Joseph, by faith, the second point, is going to bless these two boys. And then thirdly, we go to the twin's father, Joseph, with a couple remarks he made on his deathbed. Wow, it's going to be a while when you get the whole story. So we're going to get the whole story. Let's isolate verse one, our first point. 
and go to Brother Isaac and see what God has for us there. So the, the verse says, by faith, Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau. That's not really their birth order, point number one, in regard to their future. And so we're going to take a look at that. You know, what? why did that require so much faith? So let's tell the story, all right? And then you're going to know why, wow, by faith. He did this thing. So Miracle's son, who shouldn't have been born, Isaac, grows up and he turns 40 and he finds a wife named Rebecca. And by the way, and just throw this in for free, Rebecca can't have kids either. Now, here's God who says to Abraham, who can't have kids, and Sarah, who can't have kids, uh, you're going to have kids. <laughs> you're going to have a lot of them. Look up at the stars of the sky. Uh, there are going to be a lot of kids. And uh, then the miracle child comes, and he's told, hey, man, uh, the Lord's going to use our line to bless the whole world somehow, right? So he gets married, and he says, okay, let's bless the world. <laughs> and she can't have kids. What? Again. And so, so Isaac prays for Rebecca, and she um, becomes pregnant. Now, that's not the faith we're talking about. That would have been nice faith to talk about. We're talking about blessing the twins. Well, here's what's going on. When she does get pregnant, uh, she has a lot of chaos in her womb. So she has a problem pregnancy. So she goes to the Lord, and she asks, what's going on, Lord? And the Lord answers her and her husband, there are two nations in your womb. You have twins. You have two peoples two separate peoples, one is stronger than the other. And the younger, the older, will serve the younger. It's not like that. It's always the other way around in Hebrew uh, culture. And so the Lord was saying, heads up, this is what's going on. And, and just so you know, there'll be a reversal, right, in the flow of faith that God has promised to bless the entire world, it will have to come through the younger, not the older. So they know from the start. Okay, that's important. All right? And so the boys grow up, distinct personalities, same parents, same womb, but very different. Esau's the older one. He's an outdoors kind of guy. Now, this is what the Bible says of them. He's, he loved the outdoors. He's kind of macho. The Bible calls him hairy, you know. Uh, he's a hairy hunter, you know, and he's got a lot of testosterone, but zero interest in spiritual things. Zero. Now, Jacob, on the other hand, the younger, yeah, he's a homebody. That's what the Bible says of him. He liked to hang out at home, you know, maybe like to read. The Bible calls him smooth-skinned. So, I mean, just in every way, they're sort of polar opposites. Um, and he's mom's favorite, and the Bible says that. And, and Esau is dad's favorite, the Bible says so. Now, they have a problem with favoritism that gets passed down through the generations, and it almost kills one of them. So it's a problem, but it's reality. Dad is smitten with the hairy hunter. <laughs> and mom... Likes the homebody, Jacob. And don't get the wrong idea about Jacob. Jacob's a farmhand, too. I mean, he, he's a strong guy. But, you know, he's just not as aggressive as his brother. Now, 
Uh, dad now has a natural affection for the one who doesn't serve God. They connect somehow. And uh, he favors the one who should normally inherit everything, spiritually, materially, the blessing that God gave his father to save the world. This is a recipe for disaster because you're going to put the reins of the messianic nation, the, the saving of the world, in the hands of somebody who's godless. Uh, if this were a movie, you'd be hearing the, the suspense music building up as you're watching uh, uh, Isaac's eyes, watching his son shoot the game, and, and being, uh, Hebrews 12 calls him sexually immoral and godless, right? But Isaac, he, Isaac loves the Lord. What is wrong with Isaac that he's enamored with this guy and he doesn't see and he's heard? He's heard how it's going to be. And so I'm just setting up for you the stage here. And so uh, it's that time. Dad is aging, so it's time to make the will official. So he gives a shout out to Grizzly Adams. And he says, hey, Esau. He says, Esau, go and hunt me up some of that uh, venison that I love and prepare it, that famous recipe of yours, and bring it to me. And then I'll sign the whole estate over to you. Uh, he gets his boat, he gets excited, and he goes out there to hunt up some of that stew. Uh, or, or anyway, pre-stew, right? <laughs> goes out hunting. So Mama overhears this and goes into rescue mode, as moms really know how to do. And she called it Operation Save the World. All right, Operation, <laughs> Operation Save Her Sanity, Operation Save Her Family, Operation Save Israel, Operation Honor Abraham and God, who already told us in advance how this blessing has to work. She sees a train wreck of humanity coming. You're going, to, you're going to do the wrong thing. So she comes up with her own plan. So while Esau's out hunting, Mama's pulling clothes from the clothesline that smell like Esau, you know, uh, actually quite good. It's an outdoors kind of fragrance. And uh, <laughs> he puts, she puts Esau's flannels on him. And, you know, she makes a goat stew instead of venison. But with all the spices, you're not going to know the difference. And... She doesn't waste anything. She takes the skins, the little fur, right? A little hair, whatever, goats out, <laughs> and puts in sleeves for him, right? And says, go in there. Jacob is freaked out. Mom, I'm going to be killed for this. If, if dad catches out, if he finds out, and, and she says, let that fall on me, son. <laughs> now, moms say, hey, I'll take the full responsibility of this. Get in there and save the world, man. So, he goes in there, right? Now, now I've got a picture of this just to keep you focused. Isaac, Isaac is blind, and he's suspicious. You know, he says, wow. <laughs> how did it happen so fast? How did, how, how did you get this? Get the, how did you hunt, come back, cook it up, and it's so kind of fast? And he goes, oh, the Lord your God gave me success. <laughs> You know, and so it goes on and on. Um, and so he says, um, come closer, because you sound like Jacob. Come here. And he touched his forehand. And he said, but you feel like Esau, you know? 
And, and then the, what clinched the deal was the smell from the clothesline of Esau's flannels. And he, and he smells the open field. He says, oh, man, I love that smell, the smell of my son. It's like an, a, a meadow that's flowering in the summer heat. Just love that. Now, have you ever thought about that in an inverse kind of way, prophetically, that we appear before the Father in the robes, the clothes of his favored son, and he gets a whiff of the fragrance of Christ and says, when we come near in Christ, our older brother's clothes. Oh, I love that smell. Yeah. You know what? Even though you invert it, God just doesn't waste anything to tell the story. And there it is once again. Well, the cat's ready to come out of the bag. He, he downloads everything. He, he blesses them. He says, may God give you, the, give you heaven's dew and the earth's riches an abundance of new grain and wine. May nations serve you and peoples bow down to you. May those who curse you be cursed and those who bless you be blessed. There it is, the Abrahamic uh, covenant to the Jews. And now it's going to go through the proper channel who God wanted it to go through. It's not the godless one, but the godly, God-fearing one. So, uh, the cat's ready to spring out of the bag because just as they're taking away the dishes and just as Jacob's out of the tent, the flap's still flapping, in walks Esau through the other entrance with a big train. He said, hey, Dad, hey, uh, hey, I've got the feast. And Dad's all, who is it? And it's says, Esau, your firstborn, man. And sit up, Pops, time for some good eats, and then I can get what's coming to me. Oh, Yeah. You are going to get what's coming to you, unfortunately. Why? Because can't you remember like two chapters ago, bro? I know you don't like to read, but, you know, two... (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Two chapters ago, man, you came in. Jacob had a, a bowl of stew, of beans. It smelled mighty good to you. And he said, you know, you said, give me some of that. And, and your brother said, hey, trade places with me. You're not interested in spiritual things. Give me the birthright. You could care less. And he goes, you're right. I could care less. I'm more hungry for that. That's, I'm going to die anyway of hunger, you know? So sure, I'll give you everything, the right to my blessing, to my inheritance as firstborn for that pot of beans. Now, since you sold everything away because what is your true God is your biological appetites and your, uh, and your stomach and, Hebrews 12, your sexual passions. That's your God, and that's what you're going to have coming. You can't have all God's blessing and live the way you, you are. And so they start piecing it together now, right? So... Isaac's blind, but he's not senile. So uh, he starts to figure it out. He's like, oh, what? Oh, oh, no. And then Isaac starts trembling. And the word there is serious. He's got the tremors. Why? Oh, snap and a half. He's been found. He's, sorry, I made that up. So by the way, if you hear that out there, you just know it started with me. Listen. 
Why is dad shaking like this? Because dad been found out by the Holy Spirit. Whoops, dad. Oh, caught you. Trying to, to steer the blessing in the way the na- of your natural inclination. That's not going to work. The sovereignty of God is much bigger than that. Look what he had to go through. Look at what he had to go through. And you knew you were at the spiritual ultrasound. You were there, you know, <laughs> in the beginning. What's going on in my womb? And the Lord gave a little sonogram and said, this is it. You don't think he knew? Of course he knew. He said, I know, but this is my natural inclination. This is what I want. This is what makes sense to me. This is what, if I were God, I would do it this way. And the Holy Spirit said, oh, whoops. I'm like 10,000 steps ahead of you, bro. And he's like, oh, right, okay. So, you know, Isaac's coming undone. Esau explodes in bitter tears. He says, what about me? Well, first of all, about the bitter tears, don't you go feeling sorry for him. Uh, Listen, honestly, tears of regret, one writer, are not tears of repentance. And Judas cried a boatload. They're called crocodile tears. They're tears, I see them all the time. Tears of people getting caught. Those are tears of regret, yeah. Of embarrassment, of, of the painful consequences of doing stupid things. Those are tears. But that's called worldly sorrow. It leads to death. There's nothing redemptive about that. You have to cry tears of of repentance, of a change of heart, of a work of God, turning away from sin and turning to God. Those tears matter. And those are the kinds of tears that God's hand himself will wipe away from your eyes. But none of this, you bless me too. Well, here's what he says. I think I have it for you. Isaac answered Esau, hey, by faith, now, he could revoke. He could say, hey, yeah, Jacob, his name means trickster. Hey, yeah, no, 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 no. By faith, he tells his favorite son the truth. By faith. Isaac answered, he said, I've made him Lord over you and have made all his relatives his his servants and, and I have sustained him with grain and new wine. But what can I possibly do for you? Esau said to his father, don't you have one blessing left for me? Bless me too, my father. It's sad. It is sad. Then Esau weeps aloud. Okay, you know, 39. His father Isaac answered him, your dwelling will be away from the earth's richness, away from the blessings of heaven. You will live by the sword violence and you will be dominated. You will be dominated. You will have violence in your life. You will not be anywhere near the blessing of God. And of course, everybody who follows in Esau's godless, sexually immoral path will reap the same thing. Why? Jesus Christ becomes one of us through who? Through Jacob. He comes, he's biologically related to Jacob. Do you know who's biologically related to Esau? Another king, King Herod. So this is very important that by faith you bless Jacob first and then you bless, and he did. He blessed him. He told him about his future. Do you know what? If, if Esau or anybody follows Esau's path for a heartbeat just says, ah, I know I'm Esau, 
but I, I want to be godly. Have mercy on me, a sinner. God is on that in a heartbeat. There's hope. There's compassion. There's love. But if you embrace this world and sell out God for a bowl of stew or a roll in the hay, you're going to get what you deserve in full knowledge. So going on, the lesson here, by faith, even though Isaac had to swallow his pride, even though it was not the son he preferred to bless, he did not revoke it, but rather he, he established it. By the way, in Genesis 28, 1 through 4, he goes and blesses him again, just in case you're wondering, because he blessed him without knowing it the first time. But when his eyes were open, even though he was rebuked, he did it again now in the right way. So, and also by faith, he told his favorite boy the hard facts and the truth. You forfeited your blessing. God is right. I was wrong. God's will prevails. And in the end, by faith, Isaac did it God's way. So that's really the moral of the story. And the moral of the story is <laughs> we're all really glad that by faith, Isaac blessed Jacob so that through Jacob, the savior of the world comes. Jesus Christ is God. He was conceived of the Holy Spirit, but he's also man because he was born out of a woman. That woman is blood to Jacob. Blood. And he is in the line of Joseph. Joseph is also blood to Jacob. They both can trace back to Jacob. We didn't need it for Joseph so much, <laughs> but God threw that in because God can do all those things. Amen. So, amen? amen? Now, let's go to the next one. Next in the series from the patriarchs. Can you put on the, uh, the genealogy for a second? This is Jacob, right? Jacob wrestles with God in Genesis 32. After that wrestling match, God says, I'm going to change your name from from manipulator to prevailing with God. Something like that. It's hard to say what Israel really means. But he changed his name to Israel. Now, these are Israel's children. So you, when you say the children of Israel, you're talking about the children of this man, Jacob. So God of Jacob means God of Israel. And then from this time on, the region where the children of Israel were living was called Israel. That's where you get the name Israel. Never again is it called Canaan. It's called Israel because of Jacob, Jacob's namesake, and Jacob's 12 boys. That makes Israel. So now we move to the second verse, verse 21. So let's read that verse there, have it up there. By faith, Jacob, as he lie, when he was dying, blessed each of Joseph's sons, his grandboys, and worshiped as he leaned on top of his staff. Well, come on, I, I, I need more than that. So let's talk about that. After a lifetime of struggling, which, be, which began in the womb, right, with his brother Esau, he had a life like that, a lot of ups and downs. Um, but he, his last act was one of surrender and yielding to God and obedience. And, and by faith, that happened. And we're going to talk about that. Now, Jacob's father... Isaac, tried to circumvent God's plan for the heirs, right? How about Jacob? Is he any better? Is he going to learn? Let's find out. Well, uh, 
now to set up the scene here, uh, aging Jacob now has grown old and he thinks he's about to die. Uh, there are 70 Jews on the planet and 70 only. 70 Hebrews go with Joseph, go rather with uh, Jacob to go see Joseph in Egypt where there's food and that's how they end up enslaved for 400 years. So the 70 of them have gone. Uh, Jacob is there. He reunites with Joseph and while Joseph was being raised up there, he had two sons from an Egyptian princess. So Joseph is now like prime minister of all of Egypt. You mostly, uh, all of you know the story. So uh, born to him was firstborn Manasseh, which means God causes me to forget his suffering. And number two boy was Ephraim, and that word means fruitful. All right, so here we go. Uh, Jacob, uh, we're Israel, but we'll just call him Jacob, right? He's sick, and he asked to, uh, he's asked to bless the boys, the grandbabies, right? So Joseph brings in his two uh, Egyptian-born boys, and he wants dad to give the Abraham, Isaac, Jacob blessing, <laughs> right? And so he asks him, to bless him, but there's a lot of joy there. J- Jacob says, uh, "Jacob says, hey, I didn't realize that I was going to even see you again, and now I see your two boys here. Your prime minister of Egypt. This is unbelievable." And there's a lot of joy. And then he says, "Bring me those two boys." And Dad does the Jewish thing and puts the older, who shall inherit the greater, to his right hand, and the younger. Who, who gets the lesser portion in the culture to the left. And he takes his arms and he goes, <sighs> Joseph goes, oh no, dad. Dad, dad, I know you're blind right now. Hey, you're blind, you got it wrong. And he says, get your hand off me. This is because he takes his hand and he tries to move his hands off his kid's hands. Dad, you're not doing it the right way. Oh, I'm doing it God's way. Son, he says, I know, I know. Let's relax, Joseph. I got a picture of it for you. He says, well, first of all, now we know what I'm going to look like in a few years. <laughs> Jews just have this look. <laughs> That's how my dad looked. He looks Egyptian because he really is. From 17 on, he's lived his whole life in, in Egypt. He's not pleased at all about the crisscross thing. It's like, dad, What are you doing? And he says, Joseph, relax. They're both going to be blessed. They're both going to be tribes of Israel. But the younger will be, Ephraim will be greater. And Ephraim becomes so great, that tribe, that it is synonymous with the word Israel. That in the Old Testament, God calls Israel Israel sometimes, and he calls Israel Ephraim. Sometimes because it's so big that he just calls them Israel. So not only, not only is it playing out here, it's playing out true in the future as well, that he was right about that. So I started thinking about this. I started wondering what was going on. He's leaning on his staff. What does that have to do? They don't really show that part there in the picture. But he, he, he leans on his staff. He's blessing the boys by faith. And I started thinking, what was going on in his mind? What if he was here and he could tell us? What was that moment like? Because you got a big shout out in the faith chapter. And uh, maybe he would say something like this. Well, you know, my whole life 
has been crisscrossed with contradictions, ups and downs, highs and lows, faith and failure. Times I walked by faith, God did amazing things in me and through me. I had visions of ladders going into heaven and angels from heaven ascending and descending. Man, I, I, and yet times I was driven by fear and insecurity and spent years sort of manipulating my way through life. It's been a long wrestling match between God and me, quite literally, Genesis 32, <laughs> wrestling with God himself. Will it be my way or his way? Longing for him to prevail, longing for his blessing, longing to get out of his way. So in my last breaths, yet another test, the prompting of the Holy Spirit, a whisper to my soul, he's gonna do it again. He's gonna do it his way, not the world's way. And the future is left there for me to hear God speaking and whether or not I will obey. God is saying, I want the younger boy to inherit the greater portion than the older son. Will you, Jacob, obey me and place your right hand on the second born? Will it be my way or your way? Will you, will you make a choice now to please your favorite son or will you please your father in heaven? Choose. And leaning on his staff took pain. You lean on your staff because, ah, it hurts. And in his pain and faith, he crosses his hands and he says, your way, God. It's not the pressure I'm feeling from Joseph. Not the pressure I'm feeling with my natural inclinations. What are people going to think? Not what I would do. My whole life has prepared me for this brokenness where I can submit to God finally and freely and say yes and amen to God, your way. And how many times in life does, do you get this? You get this? This is how I would have done it. This is what I was expecting. But I'm okay with it. Yes, God, you are Lord. Your sovereignty rules. Your wisdom is right. I'm going to say yes and amen, and by faith, by faith, he blessed those boys. God's way, not my will, but yours be done. Wow. That's a wow. That's a wow to me. Last verse. Last verse. This is a quick one, you know. By Joseph, when his end was near, he lived to 110 spoke about the exodus that would come in 400 years of the Israelites from Egypt and gave instructions about his remains. Okay, come on. Why did that take a lot of faith? Well, I'm glad you asked that. I'll tell you. Now, my first question was <laughs> to the Lord. Why, Joseph, you, there are so many prime examples of powerhouse faith, as I mentioned. You could go to so many places... Hundreds, his story spans Genesis 37 to Genesis 50. And man alive, you could just, on every page, it's like, wow, what kind of faith is that? I wrote some of them down. Faith to keep your heart sweet and open to God, even though you're suffering. This guy's suffering. His brothers, you saw the list of the brothers. 
the long list there, they all got jealous of him, threw him in a pit, dipped his favorite uh, coat that his dad gave him because he was his favorite. See, it's not good. <laughs> dipped it in goat's blood and brought it back to Jacob, said, oh, I guess some animal ate Joseph for dinner, you know, and threw it to him, at, you know. And, and he keeps a sweet spirit, and he's serving God. What kind of faith is that? You know, we got a hangnail. We're ready, you know, to stop coming to church. <laughs> faith to resist Mrs. Potiphar. How about Mrs. Potiphar? He gets thrown into jail. He's doing all the right things. He gets promoted up, and now he's running the place, right? And Mrs. Potiphar... Mrs. Potiphar's, you know, trying to seduce him. And it says day in and day out. She noticed that he was an attractive young man. And she tried to seduce him. By faith, he said, how could you ask me to sin against my God? That's faith. And then he gets thrown into the dungeon for doing the right thing. And he's still willing to serve God with a sweetheart. He goes in, he's not slandering anybody, and then his cellies have dreams, you know, and he says, hey, I could tell you what that means. Faith to interpret these dreams. The wine bearer was tossed in there for displeasing Pharaoh, right? So he had this dream, and, and he says, oh, man, I got good news for you. In three days, you're going to be restored. You'll be pouring the wine. You'll be given to him. Pharaoh will be happy. And then the baker, so by faith here, <laughs> Uh, the baker had a dream, and he heard a good report of the, of the cupbearer's situation. So he said, what about me? And he said, man, that dream? He said, well, you got three days. He's going to hang you on a tree. And let's put it this way. The birds are not going to go hungry. <laughs> Faith. To tell some guy the truth so that that guy has three days to prepare to meet his maker. What a blessing. See, he had faith to say, hey, I'm not going to water it down because I don't want to upset you. The gospel, tell it like it is so people can be prepared if you don't tell them the truth. You, what if he told the baker? This is a side sermon, by the way. What if he, <laughs> what if he didn't? He told the baker, oh, uh, you know, Oh, God loves us all. You know, bro, it's going to be okay. It's a, whatever, you know. No, that wouldn't be good. So uh, that's what I'm saying. Why not some of that? You know, he, he gets promoted to prime minister of all of Egypt. He's sort of ruling the world. Pharaoh said, nobody lifts a finger in the whole dynasty, multi-nations, except Joseph knows about it. He didn't let any of that go to his head. He stayed straight on, straight arrow for God. What kind of faith is that, right? None of that. Instead, we got a couple remarks, you know. Hey, God is going to keep his promise. It's going to take 400 years. When he takes all of us home to Israel, don't forget me. That's what's the shout out. Yeah, that's what the shout out. And I'll tell you why. He's living for an eye toward the future promises. Here's what he said. He said, I think I have it too. This is just a, he said, then Joseph said to his brothers, Genesis 50, I'm about to die, but God is surely going to come to your aid. There's, there's like a hundred of them. There are going to be two million of them. He's going to come to your aid 400 years. He's going to take you up and out 
up and out of this land to the land of promise that he swore to our great-grandfather Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And Joseph made the sons of Israel swear on an oath. You swear to me right now. Put your hand on the Bible. God will surely come to your aid, and then you must carry my bones up from this place. You know why? Because I've been ruler of the world. I've had a princess for a wife. I've had the treasures of Egypt. And you know what? I want out. I want to be with God's people where God's people are in his land of promise. And when you all arrive there, I want to be with you because my heart is not in this world. My accomplishments mean nothing. I've got an eye toward where home is. And if you pick up my bones and you plant them in God's promises, up will spring my soul to eternal life. That's what he's talking about. He's talking about the gospel. Take my dead, <coughs> excuse me, bones and plant them in the fertile grounds where God has promised and made some promises that are eternal. And up from that ground, my dead bones will spring up to a body incorruptible, a body that is fit for eternal life, a body that will never die. That's what I want. You take out a Bible, you put your hand down here, do not leave my bones in this God-forsaken world. You put me in the promised land where God has promised to raise us up to new life. That's what's on. That's the wow. That's the wow. So by faith, so by, by faith, by faith, Joseph said, this world means nothing to me. God keeps his promises. God will take his people up and out of the slavery of sin, the darkness and, and cruelty of the world, the flesh, and the evil one, and he will take us to the place he has prepared for us, and that is my destiny. I say, I turn a blind eye, I turn a blind eye to everything in Egypt, and I had it all at my fingertips, and I said, I'd rather be planted. You take my coffin with you, so help you God, you take my bones with you. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for these three single verses, three men, three valuable insights to the kind of faith that they had, all looking forward, up and out of this world to the world that's coming, the real world, the eternal one, the one where you are, the one that matters most. And so help us, Lord, to live for that and to have the kind of faith that these men had to discount the things of this life and, and look to you and your promises. In Christ's name, amen. Let's stand together. Closing song. You have been listening to The Rock Podcast. Our regular services are held on Wednesday nights at 7 p.m. and Sunday mornings at 8.30 and 10.30 a.m. in Santa Rosa, California. If you would like to learn more, please visit our website at calvertherock.org. 